Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. My name is Tobias Zimmergren, and I'm here again with my friend Yusi Roine. What's up, my friend? Hey, Tobias, all good here, uh, but I've got a problem. I cannot charge my car. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fully electric car, so obviously you have to charge it. And it's minus 18 Celsius outside. And again, I have no idea how much that is in Fahrenheit, but it's super duper cold. It's cold. And, and I've, I've got a local charger uh, in the garage. It's just dedicated to me, but I don't own the charger. So there's there's this utility company that, that rents it for me. And yesterday morning, it started giving me this blinking red light. So I called them up. I've, I've, I've got a mobile app and the mobile app simply says, oh, your charger box is, is offline. Sorry about this. So I, I called them and, and they said, yeah, yeah, people have been calling to us about it. It's, it's broken. Alrighty, so could you please fix it? Yeah, we'll get right on it. And I ask, so what happens now? How do I get an update that it's, it's working again? Well, you can call us back. And I figured, well, you, you have this mobile app, so, <laughs> okay. so perhaps you could you know, send like an event or a notification to me. No, we haven't thought of that, but you can call us. And this small uh, problem that I hope will be fixed today it, it sort of underlines that, in a way, we are embracing the digital future and, and digital transformation. But at the same time, a lot of the things you do over email and, and regular phone calls. And it's, it's fun in a way, but at the same time, you feel, well, now I still have to worry about this. When I could sort of outsource this to the company that I'm actually paying for their services. And I think this is quite prevalent in, in Finland, but I don't know if you have this in, in Sweden as well. So, I mean, we, we have the same type of charging setups. Uh, most people here, they, they own the charging poles at their house themselves. And you just pull in the, the super high voltage line to your house and then you yeah. install it and you have to buy it for, I don't know, between 5,000 euros and up, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, for one of those super, super good ones. I don't know how they work in, in super cold temperatures, but I know a lot of people in the northern Sweden are driving electric cars and I believe they drive winter as well. So hopefully it works. So this is hopefully something that they will be able to fix soon. Uh, but it, it again goes to shows that we we're very much dependent on this digital life that we have for everything to work, uh, you know, even in our non-digital life. You want to get into your car, you want to go buy some groceries or pick up the kid at kindergarten, whatever. And that doesn't work because the car is fully electric and the charger to the car which is just, you know, the, the weakest link in the chain, unfortunately, is broken. And therefore, you cannot go into your car and, and go somewhere. Um, so, yeah, we're very much depending on everything to work. And more and more of our infrastructure is, you know, relying on all these digital aspects uh, to work. So maybe it's good to have a contingency plan, like a mopedo yeah. in your garage or something. <laughs> my my plan is that when we're done with recording this episode, I'll hop in the car. I have a little bit of battery left and I'm driving maybe 10 minutes. There's a, there's a local power plant close to my home and they have one 
charging spot. It's it's a super fast one. So I'll take my laptop. I'll go there. I hope I'll, I'll get enough energy in the car to survive over the weekend. And hopefully by Monday, that my, my local charger is fixed. But it's it's fun in a way how reliant you are on a lot of things. And when they fail to work, you sort of realize, oh, oh we're back to Stone Age now. Yeah. I mean, you, so you need a contingency here. If you go to that parking spot and, and you don't have enough battery to actually get home unless you charge, just remember that perhaps your entire neighborhood, perhaps half of the town now has issues because their chargers doesn't work in these cold temperatures. So everyone is at that yeah. one charging spot. <laughs> that's, that's my fear. I, I let you know. <laughs> I, I let you know on the next episode how, how it went and if I had to ditch the car and get a new one. <laughs> So how about for you? What have you been up to lately? Um, so also about the cold, actually, because now it's minus 11 where I live. And that's fairly unusual for my part of Sweden. Uh, we usually get perhaps minus five, six, something like that. Now we have minus 11 today. That's about 12.2 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm planning an outdoor two to three day hike along some trails with one of my friends. We're getting into the woods, finding some nice fro frozen lakes, and hopefully it will stay this cold until we do the hike, and then we can do some ice fishing. So you kind of you drill a hole, um, but I don't have a drill because we're doing a pretty long hike. I think this hike will be about 30 kilometers per day. So if you do 30 kilometers, you don't bring an ice drill because they're usually quite heavy uh, and unnecessary luggage. But I do have an axe. So I will have to use the axe to cut a hole into the ice. And then I have this portable ultralight fishing rod so I can actually fish from the ice. And then we have a, um, I'm usually building a tarp, like a, a tent roof, you can call it, above this area on the lake. And then we can ignite a fire in there. And that's pretty cool. So you can actually take off all your jackets and everything and, and you know, just sit in a t-shirt. It's kind of like a sauna, and, but without the steam but on a frozen lake, which is kind of cool. It's a really cool experience. So I'm, I'm really hoping for the colds to, uh, to hold fast. Sounds super exciting. Uh, I, I hopefully get some pictures on that. And this is reminding me of this super old meme picture that's, that there's a text saying, meanwhile in Finland, and, and there's this, this older gentleman, naked of course, standing in a frozen lake in the water uh, using an ax to chop away the ice. And I can, I can imagine you do something like this next weekend. Yeah, I, I just don't like the cold that much. So I will keep my clothes on and I will probably <laughs> have a, a, a lot of firewood so I can ignite my little cozy fire. <laughs> Alrighty, so today's episode is printing is still a thing. I look at universal prints. And while I'm reading this, this uh, title for you, my, my Windows 10 gives me a pop-up. Your device is about to restart. <laughs> so, so let's see if, how this goes. My printer won't restart, but perhaps my Windows 10 will meanwhile, but we should be okay. So printing, um, I have a laser printer at home. Do, do you have one? Do you, do you print anything? I don't. I actually made a... A conscious decision in I think 2015 or 2016 to just discard all the printers that I had because printing stuff unnecessarily obviously is not good for the environment whatever uh, but foremost I didn't really see a value in keeping the printer because everything I do is digital 
However, a lot of the customers I worked with, they need it for legal reasons and for other reasons where you need the actual paper in, in your offices or whatever it is, contracts, whatever you need to sign with a pen and paper because not everyone does it digitally. So I, I understand the, the use, but for my home printing, no, I don't, I don't have one. I, I got the printer ages ago because I figured, well, perhaps I need to print something. And when my oldest son was super, super young, he loved for me to print like, um, like a cartoon or a coloring picture that he could then color. And this was perhaps before great tablets were available. And now I've found in the past year that I need to print a lot of things. So if I do perhaps an investment decision that I want to purchase something, some asset that's perhaps a bit more valuable, oftentimes I will get a PDF file and it says, please print this out and deliver it by hand to our office. And I can do digital signature, even though that's quite common for a lot of things like B2B, but for B2C, I often find that I need to print things. So I've had the printer and it's, it's a laser printer. So the ink doesn't really dry. But once you run out of color in one of the four cassettes, you have to go to the store and get a new one and they are not cheap. So this is also a big issue for a lot of companies. And, and let me give you an example of, of, of one company that, that I've, I've, I've seen how they, how they work with printers. They have Azure AD in use, and the identities are in the cloud, but they're also in the local Active Directory. So, so they might federate or they might just synchronize their identities to the cloud. And now when nobody's really working at an office, they realize that, do we still need the printers? They might have 20 or 30 printers around at the office. But turns out that employees still need to print things. And what they do is they'll initiate the printing job from home and then they'll make a note in their calendar that, okay, next week on Monday, I'll swing by the office. I'll just go in, get the papers and leave. I'm not staying at the office. And this might be large documents. And there's also the secure printing. And I wasn't really aware how crucial this is. So it's something often like a third party solution on top of your printer solution, where you actually print now and it goes to the queue, but it's not committed to the printer before you actually walk to the printer and use like a tag or a badge or your ID card to sort of authenticate on the printer that it's, it's really me printing this super confidential paper. And then it commits the print job. So, so for these reasons, I've, I've had over the past couple of years, some companies reach out and say, hey, we still have on-premises, we still have an on-prem AD. And, and the most significant reason for having this is because we have printers. So we want to keep the physical printers, but we'd like to offload the print servers, the print queues, the print job management to the cloud, just like we did with email 10 years ago. And that's, that's why we now have something called universal print. And I think Google calls this cloud printing and Microsoft calls it universal print. And this is in public preview since early 2020. Uh, sorry, it was announced in 2020 and it's in public preview for a few months now. And how it works is that you get licenses and you allocate the permission to do cloud printing from Microsoft 365 admin portal, but everything else happens in 
as we fall. So I, I hope, Toby, that, that you're convinced already by now that after we're done with the recording, that you'll go to the store and get a real printer. I'll get one of those really big ones, you know, the, the corporate brands that have, you know, probably 5,000 papers in them. Uh, so I can connect it to the cloud and probably yeah. see if I can do directory synchronization and all these kind of crazy stuff and, and configure that. Uh, no, I probably won't, but I, I definitely see what you already told me here. I definitely see this use case for organizations. And a lot of the customers I used to work with had exactly this dilemma. Um, and they also use the secure printing and all these capabilities where instead of a, a key card, it was a code. So you had a personal code, you send it to the printer, you walk up to the printer and you enter your code and, and you get your documents and then they are removed and discarded entirely from the queue. So nobody else can actually reprint it. Otherwise, a lot of these big printers have a button to say, uh, go back in history and print the same document that someone else printed. Um, and you know, if universal print have support for all of these things, that's pretty cool. And I definitely see the, uh, this as a, a great step in the right direction where any organization, you know, big and small, uh, where you need some kind of printing, you can just plug in your printer and get this connected somehow then to universal print in Azure. And you don't require any infrastructure. You don't require any of the additional servers or maintenance in-house. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see the alert in this. I, I understand this is a use case for a lot of organizations. I did not expect we would talk about printing in 2021, <laughs> yeah. printing to paper, uh, but it's a modernization of a technique that is super old. So it's, it's pretty cool. So 2020, last year, that was surprisingly different for probably everybody. For me, one of the highlights was that I got to purchase uh, a UPS device to, to ensure that my devices get electricity should it go down. But also I got to upgrade uh, the, the color cassettes in, in, in my printer. And oftentimes these per, perhaps boring infrastructure things like Wi-Fi and firewalls and Ethernet cables and whatnot, they are still very much needed. But if you're fully in the cloud, they're sort of abstracted from you. So you don't need to worry about that. You simply configure or provision something. But in the backend, one way or another, something similar happens, perhaps not for a printer, but, but for everything else. So to get started with this, um, you would need to go to M365 admin portal, go to licenses and search for a trial license uh, with universal print. And it's available free of charge while it's in public preview. I had some MSDN benefit subscriptions and I couldn't enable it for those subscriptions, but for everything else, I was, I was able to provision this. So once you have universal print, I recall you get about 10,000 licenses and it's valid for a year. Then you can actually start building the solution. So how it works is that you need the printer first and it needs to be modern enough that it connects to your local area network and it, it can get an IP address. So it, it needs to have TCP IP support. So that 1995 printer might not be an optimal solution here. And, and the model that I have, I have, a, have an HP laser yet color uh, from 2015 and it works with universal print. Uh, in the future, not today, but in the future, 
you can go to the store and purchase a more modern printer that has universal print support built in. But none of the available models today have that because it's still in public purview. But perhaps later this year we'll, we'll, we'll get some of those. And then what's needed is you'll need to deploy a universal print connector. Uh, and this, this is very similar if you've ever deployed Azure AD application proxy. Uh, Toby, I think you've used at least service bus in Azure. And perhaps, have you used Azure AD application proxy ever? Not in our production workloads. Uh, played around with it, but we, we haven't really rolled that out because we never had that requirement. So the, the whole idea here is that you install the connector on a server in your local area network. And it does what it needs to do. It connects or finds your printers in this instance. And in Azure AD application proxy, you would expose an internal service to the public internet with some security layers like Azure AD authentication. So it exposes an HTTPS tunnel that can be terminated in Azure. So nobody connects directly to your internal network. It's, it's a one-way connection. And when you install the connector, you authenticate with, with Azure first and say, hey, this is the tenant, these are the licenses, this is the print admin, and here are all of my printers. Please expose these in Azure as printer objects. And this reminded me quite a bit of Azure Arc. I think we had an episode on Azure Arc previously last year, and, and the whole idea was that you would have physical or virtual servers uh, in on-prem, and you would sort of mirror those in Azure, so you could manage those virtually in the cloud. And then you will grant the license to your users. And the only thing you have to do is you need to drop the printer settings to your user workstations. For now, the official recommendation is that you will need Intune. So the user workstations need to be managed by Intune, which is part of the Microsoft Endpoint Manager offering now. And you need two apps, one app to tell Win10 that, okay, we are about to do cloud printing and another app in Intune distributed to your Win10 uh, workstations that tells what those cloud printers are. What's the, what's the queue address in Azure? What's the name? Is it a default printer or not? And once done, users will get the exact same printer they would get when in the office or using a VPN or direct access to get to the office network. And they can simply add a new printer. It's the same printer, but there's a small cloud icon now. And printing is exactly the same, as boring as ever, but it's routed through Azure now and back to your local network. So it feels like the, the setup is not that troublesome, getting the connector up and running. And if you use Intune, you can just roll this out to your users if you don't use Intune, you can probably provide them the, the package and an instruction. If you want to connect to the cloud printers, run this, do this, and off you go. I actually had a chat with a friend of mine who does a lot of work on Intune, and I was sort of complaining that it's so cumbersome to, if the company doesn't have Intune yet, to get this app and do the publication of the app. And, and he looks at me over Teams and says, you see, you can just do this manually. You can do scripting. So the idea is you have a, the CSV file, a modern CSV file that lists all of the printer queues and you, you drop that on, on the workstations and you don't need, need Intune for that, obviously. And then you need another script that says, 
take a look at this CSV file, go through that line by line, and use PowerShell to add a new default printer for the Windows 10. So Microsoft has done this prepackaged Intune app so that you don't need to do any scripting. But if you want to take more control on this, like multiple printers and which to prefer at which network, then you do a bit of scripting on your own on top of this. I didn't bother to do the scripting thing. I wanted to go through by using the built-in or, or the, the, the GitHub-based application package to see if that really works, because I, I suspect a lot of companies will just pick that up and, and go with the default one. Yeah. So, I mean, this sounds pretty cool. And I, I understand, you know, if I just look back in the portfolio of, of the enterprise and, and, you know, large customers I've worked with in the past, I can see that they probably are raising their eyebrows for this and saying, this might be something we need to take a look at. And, you know, one of the first questions that always comes up, and as we usually talk about in, in all our episodes about some kind of services, how much is this going to set us back? What is the cost for, for using this? Do we know that? For now, it's free because it's in public preview. Roll so it the out. Price, <laughs> yes, just uh, deploy it and, and start printing. Uh, but as always, I suspect there's going to be like a per user license. Often Microsoft has these add-on licenses, perhaps $2 uh, user per month. And I don't really know what the pricing model is going to be. I don't know the exact pricing, but this is my suspicion. It will be something fairly affordable so that a lot of companies would simply roll this out. And, and what you have to keep in mind here now is that a lot of companies are now paying for perhaps a third-party company to operate a single or multiple servers in their premises that are in charge of simply managing the print queues. Now you can sort of get rid of that service and essentially saving probably a lot of money. And then obviously you have to pay something for the licenses. Another thing that I found out a couple of companies here in Finland use, they use uh, a third-party solution called PaperCut. And they, and, <laughs> that's, and they the name, do, that's the name of it? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the name of the product and also the company at the same time. Nice. So PaperCut, uh, they have a solution for secure printing, exactly what we discussed before. And they uh, published a blog post uh, last year stating that already now that Universal Print is in preview, and announced we can proudly say we are part of the preview and we will support universal print when it's generally available with our solution. Meaning again, that you, you would still only need a printer, a server running the connector and the connector is, is really hands off. You install it once and you just leave it be, you don't have to manage that. And then you would have paper cut on top of this, but it's still unclear to me that would PaperCut then offer their solution uh, from their own, perhaps, cloud establishment, like as a SaaS product? Or would this be like a setup.exe you run on the same machine where you have the connector or something else? But for now, they didn't have any more details. And, and I didn't really reach out to them and say, hey, tell me more about this, because then I know what happens. They start calling me back and say, so how many licenses would you like to buy? And I just want to understand how it works, because my home printer doesn't really need a secure printing because I'm the only one using the printer anyways. So on, on, on the upside, we, we talked about cost cutting. That's obviously one. 
Um, and perhaps slimming down on premises, I would say, as the main driver here. Um, I saw, I think it was a couple of days ago, Salesforce announcing that they feel in the future employees are, are going to work perhaps three days a week at the office and, and two days uh, remotely. So perhaps you need less printers, you need less, less of this. And now it would be a good way also to offload stuff from on-prem to the cloud. Because then what else do you really need in on-prems? You need Wi-Fi, you need a solution to distribute IP addresses for your clients, but that's mostly it. So, so this has been sort of the last server that really needs to be in on-prem. And if we can put this to the cloud, you cut costs, you have less footprint in on-premises and, and you're more dynamically in the cloud as well. Nice. So this is pretty insightful. I, I've never heard about universal printing or taken a look at it, but the way you explained it just now is, yeah, makes me realize that there is a need for this. And I think there's a, a room for a lot of companies now to take a look at that and start realizing it. So I guess the, the next step for them is just to go to Azure, start trying it out. You can get the free trial, like you mentioned, try it out, set something up, and then start evaluating whether or not this is something that can fit their bill. Exactly. So whenever we can travel again in the future, and I don't know when, but perhaps it's late, late 2021 that we can actually do this. What we can do is I can grant you access to my universal print setup. You can print whatever you like. Then you fly to Helsinki and we can admire on those prints here. Yeah, that's it's great for the environment as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let's do that. Um, and you say I can print whatever I want. Where yeah. is the printer located in your home? <laughs> it's in my home office, thankfully. So the kids, okay. well, the kids sort of would have access to it, but they don't care because it's 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 a gray box in the corner. They don't care about that. Yeah, fair enough. So print something that's not in Swedish so I can understand. All righty. So uh, in the show notes, uh, I did do a blog post on, on, on the actual technical setup on this with screenshots and everything. So there's a link to that one if you want to actually see how it, how it goes. And then also I had some challenges in initially registering the print connector using the Universal Print Connector app. And then when you retry, it, it says, well, the, the connector you're trying to register is already taken because the name was test one and I didn't want to go to test two. So there's a PowerShell module you need to download and then you can forcefully remove those connectors later on. So I put the link in there because I found that fairly valuable, especially if you do in a production environment. Alrighty, as, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you are now as enthusiastic about printing as I've been in the last couple of days setting this up. And uh, thanks for tuning in and until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.